Hello, and welcome to the Training for Climbing podcast. I'm Eric Hurst, and in this episode, we'll examine the most fundamental aspect of effective climbing. That would be risk management. Of course, if your chosen sport were, say, golf or tennis, there'd be little need for this discussion. But as a rock climber, risk management is a mental skill that you must strive to become an expert in. Despite all the fun we glean from climbing, going vertical is serious business. I've seen the proof in the form of blood-stained ground, broken limbs, mummified fingers, and a contorted corpse resting among the cliff face boulders. While an extensive study of risk management strategies is well beyond the scope of this podcast, what I will touch on here are six mental strategies for addressing risky, fear-inducing situations. Okay then, let's get started. Strategy number one, proactively manage the most obvious dangers. Many climbing risks and fears can be tempered or even reduced to near zero through use of modern climbing equipment and safety protocols. Compared with the gear and safety procedures of my formative days, which were way back in the late 70s, today's state-of-the-art tactics and gear make many climbs a near walk in the park in terms of real risk to life and limb. Still, pilot error can lead to disastrous outcomes. Thus, appropriate training and vigilant adherence to protective protocols is essential to maintain the high standard of safety we have come to expect in modern climbing. Strategy number two is to anticipate what-if scenarios and to predetermine solutions. Central to good risk management in anything is the anticipation of unexpected situations, hazards, or setbacks that you might encounter and how you would respond in each situation. In lay terms, it's called planning ahead. Addressing what-if scenarios before you climb will reduce the fear load you haul up a route, as well as empower you to redirect fearful energy into focused action. The ability to transmute this nervous energy into productive power is a hallmark of all elite climbers. Strategy number three, determine if you can handle the worst-case scenario. In imagining possible what-if scenarios, you will likely come upon a worst-case outcome that may be unmanageable or represent total failure. The question you must ask yourself then is, can I handle and accept this worst-case scenario should it happen? On a boulder problem, the worst-case outcome might merely be a failed attempt. In the case of free soloing, however, it could be death. Of course, most worst-case outcomes are somewhere between these two extremes. Anyway, by willfully accepting the worst-case scenario, you become liberated to act with full commitment, whereas deciding that you can accept the worst-case outcome will compel you to modify your plans or find another climb. Each of us has to make our own determinations based on our value systems and beliefs. Legendary climber and author Pat Ament shares his belief system with regard to free soloing in stating, what I stand to gain from free soloing seems, no, it is, infinitely less than what I stand to lose. Strategy number four, actively discern between no-fall and apparent safe-fall situations. 
Perhaps the most important analysis you can make while on a climb is whether a fall would be safe or dangerous at any given moment. Making an accurate judgment requires experience in similar situations, knowledge of safety systems and quality of protection, and the ability to visualize fall trajectory and distance. While engaging a crux sequence that could possibly cause you to fall, you will be empowered to go for it and risk the fall when you recognize it as a safe fall situation. In judging a particular section of a climb as no falls territory, however, you come to acknowledge the potentially serious consequences of falling and therefore engage in measured decision-making as to whether you should climb onward with caution or retreat to safety. Strategy number five is to listen to your gut instinct when risk is incalculable. Calculated risk management as a protective system breaks down in many climbing situations that possess inherent uncertainty and immeasurable risk. There are only two reasonable tactics to apply in these situations. The first tactic is to always retreat when faced with incalculable risk, while the second tactic is to proceed with your intuitive sense in command of the wheelhouse. Clearly, the when-in-doubt retreat tactic is the safest and most appropriate for a beginner. If you are to frequently realize the maximum climbing experience and discover the full majesty of the mountains, however, you must develop and learn to trust your intuitive sense in order to climb upward despite ambiguities and uncertainties. A climber's gut instinct, or what I refer to as intuition, is a sixth sense that is developed and sharpened with experience. Novice climbers therefore possess little ability to intuit themselves through a risky situation. They would be wise to follow a more experienced climber upward or retreat to safety. Expert climbers, having logged thousands of hours in the steep, possess a well-honed intuition that can guide them through almost any imaginable situation. For example, master climbers such as Alex Honnold and Yuli Steck can move quickly and confidently through harrowing terrain rife with unknowns, guided by their intuitive prowess. Most of us possess more modest intuitive capabilities, yet we must learn to trust this mystical power as we gain experience and pursue greater challenges. And strategy number six, assess how your experience and abilities match up to the inherent risk and size of the challenge. Accomplishing to the best of your ability while still appropriately managing risk is a tenuous balancing act to say the least. The goal is to suss out the margin between overestimating your abilities and thus risking injury or death and playing it too safe due to an overestimation of risk. Finding and operating in this delicate margin becomes even more difficult as fear and tension cloud judgment and intuition. It's therefore essential that before every climb, you pause for a moment to objectively assess the matchup of your experience and abilities versus the inherent risk and size of the challenge before you. Again, beginning climbers should always err on the side of playing it too safe, while elite climbers can push things right to the very margin of safety and usually experience a successful and safe outcome. If you'd like to learn more about risk and fear management, as well as the many other aspects of mental training, do check out a copy of my book, Maximum Climbing. 
mental training for peak performance and optimal experience. Visit my website trainingforclimbing.com and click on Maximum Climbing under the Buy Books tab. Here you can read excerpts, book reviews, and of course pick up a copy of this or another book if you'd like to support trainingforclimbing.com. Well, that about does it for this edition of the Training for Climbing podcast. Until next time, be safe, be strong, and climb on. Thank you.